Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the world premiere of My New Glasses, which also <laughs> happens to be episode five of the Football Fate and How to Change It podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me, all four of you, on this special, special occasion. <laughs> joining me for the ceremony is Mr. Warren Frogger, as always. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing really well. I uh, I had a sneak preview of the new glasses, and, and let me tell you, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the most exciting thing that happens throughout this whole podcast. But you know, I look like a shit Clark Kent. I've you decided. do. You do. I and... look like Clark Kent if he's lost the number to his barbers. <laughs> <laughs> and he couldn't cut his own hair. That was one of the only powers he didn't have. No, <laughs> cruelly <laughs> evaded him. Fortunately, he never really needed that power. No, but you know, um, that's uh, God giveth and God taketh away. But he uh, really does, especially I'm doing... when you're a Superman. Sorry, please continue. How are you, mate? I'm just desperate to tell you how well I'm doing. Sheffield Wednesday <laughs> won a game of Association Football today. We're recording this on just to date the video and indeed the podcast, Saturday the 30th of January 2021, beat Preston 1-0 with a Liam Palmer winner. When's the last time Liam Palmer... He still exists. Allegedly. scored from a long throw, which you do love to see. Um, First goal he's got in nine years. So... Is it that long? You know. Oh, God. Yeah. And that's for us as well. You know, he's uh, he's stuck around like a... See, the crazy thing about Wednesday at the minute Mm. is um, it feels like whenever we do one of these podcasts... You're actually like, you know, I think the last one you just won a couple of games. You're shit like in the interim, but yeah. as soon as a podcast comes along, yeah. you start winning games. Yeah, we do. We um we play up for the cameras, I think is the main thing, which is ironic because we've not won a game on TV for about a year. But uh in terms of the <laughs> podcast, I guess I think the players just know whatever it was about this, maybe Liam Palmer is a fan, you know. I know he, he watched the last top. one. Speaking of the last one, actually, I've got to dig us both out straight away. Go on. Because in the last episode, we briefly mentioned that... Um, oh, Villa have just scored. Um, I briefly mentioned... Well, we briefly mentioned that Andre Villas-Boas, you know, if you haven't checked out where he comes mm. into episode four, please mm-hmm. do. Uh, he's doing well at Marseille. I don't know if you saw today that there were riots outside the training You're ground. And yeah, so the Lodair Ultra turned up wanting the heads of the owner... Demi Payet and Tovan, wow. and they just stormed the session, uh, stormed training, <laughs> or the training ground, or whatever it was, uh, because the results had been so shit. And Villas Boas like interviewed him midweek, being like, "I probably won't be here come the summer. They need a rebuild." <laughs> so we've Andrex. we've said that he's doing well at Marseille. Yeah, we've that was wrong. Mm. I think that was wrong <laughs> of us. Categorically wrong. It was factually wrong. Um, Tim can sympathise with any group of supporters that uh, you know have a passionate hatred for Dimitri Payet after all. I really can. I I went on Twitter because I wanted to find out more about it, and I'm just, I was translating. You know, Twitter's got that like translate tweet yeah. button, and all of them were talking about because apparently they threw something and it hit defender, but they were aiming for Payet, mm. and all the jokes were well they couldn't miss him. How have they missed Payet? He's huge. <laughs> he is so, which I really enjoyed to be honest. But, He's a rotund yeah. man ever since he left East London. <laughs> But, anyway, um, anyway, we've been, uh, we've been talking, mate. I'm going to let you tell the people what today's uh, what today's episode is because we haven't done that yet. Absolutely, and to be honest, you know, I think it's the first time that we'll have a title for an episode, and it's a slightly lesser known sliding doors moment. I think it is, yeah. but it is very unless interesting. You support a certain team, unless you support a certain team. I believe this was just before I get into what it was very quickly. This was not recommended to you, was it? Our first it was fan submission. Shout out Ed Joss. He's I don't know if he's listening. Shout he might stop by now. Sir. But shout out Ed Joss. He said, do this one, Tim. So I was like, all right, Ed. And now we're doing it. <laughs> well, what Ed had in mind was this. It was a Champions League round of 16 tie. 
the second leg was the game in which the Slandors moment happened. Arsenal were playing Barcelona. The second leg was at the Nou Camp. Uh, Arsenal were 2-1 up after the first leg, but obviously they then had to go to Spain, try and hang on, try and get through. The game was poised very nicely at 1-0 at Barcelona uh, on the night this was. And about midway through the second half, Robin Van Persie gets put through on goal. Only for the offside flag to go up, and you know that's fairly innocuous. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jut in. At this mm. point, it was one all, wasn't it? Because Barca was it. It was. Oh, it was. Yeah, it so was. It was Good. even more nicely poised because it was one all. That's the at away the time. goal. There's the away goal. There's the away goal. Yeah. So it was one all at the time. So Arsenal were going through as it stood. Yeah, you're right because they were going through at the time. I'm dumb. Yeah. Anyway. So, <laughs> but anyway, Robin Van Persie gets put through on goal, right? Uh, the offside flag goes up, the whistle goes, and Robin Van Persie does what, like, basically every striker from, you know, in every level of football in England does, and he has a shot anyway, you know. Uh, incidentally, not? it was actually off target, but when the whistle had gone, flag had gone up, Robin Van Persie kicked the ball at goal. The referee, in his infinite wisdom, saw this as unsportsmanlike, and he showed Van Persie a yellow card, and to make matters worse... This was Van Persie's second yellow card of the game. Second of the night. Second on the night, and he got sent off for basically doing like nothing wrong. It wasn't foul play. You know, if you were a stickler for the rules, as all referees are, never hugged as a child, you might send him off. <laughs> um, but he got sent off, and uh, subsequently, Arsenal went on to lose the game and lose the tie and go out of the competition. So that's the tall, to- uh, the tall tale that we're telling today is exactly this what would have happened if van persie had not been sent off for no reason against barcelona in the 2011 champions league round of 16 and tim and you're kicking us off mate i am kicking us off yeah it's uh we're all talking about how good wednesday are but uh west ham at the time recording have won six games on the bounce which i don't think so i remember us doing seven in about 2006 Oh, we're playing Liverpool tomorrow, so we're not going to get a seven. Nah. Um, but, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to go first because, you know, if I can't go first now, when am I ever going to go first? Um, Far away, mate. I want to know. So I'm going to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Uh, I'm going to kick off. And let me tell you one thing, Frog. God, my notes look sharp. <laughs> they look crisp. <laughs> they look really crisp today. I, do you know what? I was actually going to say this. I said this to you before. I can't remember the name of the thing that's wrong with my eyes because hmm. my vision's actually quite good, but it's the thing where your eyes are like rugby balls rather than footballs. <laughs> and I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember this oh, like genuine freak. affliction that I've got, but I could, you know, most of the people involved in this tall tale, I could probably tell you what foot they are, hmm. but like an actual affliction that affects my eyesight. Hmm. Couldn't tell you the name of it. I'm a little but, bit disappointed um, that you never went for the Edgar David's goggles look. I think that's something that Mate, you should. Uh, let me invest tell you, in. if I, if we could still play football at the moment and uh, COVID weren't a thing, then I, I'd be donning the Edgars. <laughs> uh, technically, I only need them when I'm looking at a screen, but I might just don the Edgars anyway. Well, yeah. Um, but anyway, I'm going to kick us off, mate. I'm going to kick us off because we've done quite a bit of preamble, and I'm excited to tall tale for mm. you. So, Warren Frog, I'm going to start my clock. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to tease for you, and then I'm going to start mm. my clock. Okay. So. This is how Robin Van Persie being sent off at the Nou Camp in 2011 led to a lot of red cards, still, a story of red and white limbs, the failures of the Great British Postal Service, (laughs) a Champions League being won in Switzerland, 
a big cliffhanger and the quiet sanctity of a wine bar in the center of Lisbon. Okay, <laughs> okay. right, we're gonna okay. get going. So you you you've set the scene lovely with uh, almost lovely when uh, I fucked up as, as you always do. <laughs> well, God, I, I, love you know. you. I do. Agree. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the scene's been set nicely. We're fifty-five minutes and four seconds into this second leg at the uh, Camp Nou, and like I say, uh, or like you said, Van Persie about one second before this and been flagged offside. Mm. He smacks one, goes wide. No, nothing really too crazy about it. But at the time, 35 minutes left. So just over, like, what say, about 40-odd minutes to hang on. Mm. Arsenal, one all on the night, winning on aggregate. And, you know, they've got their away goal, which yeah. at the new Camp is not easy to do. And uh, the one thing that I just want to bring up before we go any further is you mentioned the 2-1 in the first leg. Uh, it's very underrated Arshavin limbs. Mm, Andre yeah. Arshavin. When there's not many Arsenal limbs that I can mm. think of, but it's like the Arshavin goal against Barcelona and yeah. Welbeck against Leicester are like the two that I think of. Tell you what, as well, but, it was um, it was a cracking. On. It's a cracking name to shout in com- in commentary. The YouTube yeah, video I, that I watched for the highlights that it was just called Arshavin with about six eyes. Yeah, no, it's class. And yeah. I think it was Martin Tyler that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I watched was, the yeah. same one. But anyway, like I say, on the night Messi put Barcelona one 0 up. Yep. With controversially, maybe my favourite Messi goal of all time. It's the it's one where he like, yeah. just really beautifully, delicately just lobs it over uh, mm. Almunia as he's coming out. And then just it's, it's beautiful. Anyway, but just two minutes before the red card, which doesn't happen, uh, Bus gets decided to plant one in his own net. So the, the red card, which is, you know, more than a little suspicious only comes two minutes after Arsenal get their away goal, which yeah. to me makes it even more suspicious, you know, because mm. Barcelona are pretty much in control. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to say the referee's not a total lemon and he just waves her offside and they carry on. But the Barcelona players, you know, they're, they're complaining. Seems mm. a bit weird. They're asking for another yellow card, but it's, you know, it's innocuous. Having said that, the first yellow card, which is a little hand around the face of Danny Alves mm. in the first half, um, yeah. they, they also wanted the straight red for that. So, you know, it's just, yeah, it's enough to raise some eyebrows. The, they're, they're Barcelona lads. They're at it again. They're asking for a red. Um, but anyway, you know, that the moment passes. Mm. But what you've got to remember about this team, even at 11 v 11, is arguably this is the best Barcelona, or this is the best team I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah. Like we're talking prime Messi, prime Iniesta, prime Xavi, Pedro, Busquets, Dani Alves, Carlos Puyol. Like, and, and there's more in there as well. This team yeah. was outrageous and they could beat anyone. So, you know, and like even in that game, like I say, I watched the extended highlights of this game and the only mm. two highlights that were even in Barcelona's half were the goal and the red card. Yeah. There was nothing else in Barcelona's half. Yeah. So they've been all over them. So I'm not going to change history, really. A lot of it is actually going to go as it did when, mm. you know, there's a gorgeous passage of play and Xavi gets on the end of it mm. and uh, makes it, 2-1 on the night. Oh, I can't change that. That that still happens. And then a couple of minutes later, when Laurent Koscielny gives away a stonewall penalty and yeah. Messi rolls that in, I'm not going to change that either. So we're still at 3-1. Mm. That's still where we are. I'm going to point out here as well that uh, Barcelona also had a stonewall penalty in the first half, not given. Mm. Yeah. But since the own goal, it's better to say, you know, decisions have been going very much Barcelona's way. You know, they're getting the rubber to green now. Yeah. But anyway, after that Messi penalty... It's 4-3 on aggregate. And, you know, Barcelona look like... It's looked like it's all over. Arsenal mm. have not been in this game, really. So Arsenal have got to go and attack now. It leaves them a bit exposed, but, you know, they need a goal. 
and on 81 minutes, they get a miracle. The ball's on the right touchline. There's a bit of interplay from Bakary Sanya and Cesc Fabregas before Cesc Fabregas launches some outrageous crossfield ball. Robin Van Persie's over the kind of left side of the box, mm. and he peels off Eric Abidal, and the ball is dropping beautifully on Robin Van Persie's left foot. Robin Van Persie had largely been a passenger for much mm. of this game. But as the ball's dropping onto his foot, you know, you remember his volley home to Everton or his Very volley well. at Anfield or even the volley in the first leg. Or at Villa. The equaliser in the first leg of this game, which was quite a sweet little mm. left-footed volley. It's like the trademark Robin Van Persie left footed, left-footed thunder bastard of the volley. Like, it's, he, you know, yeah. it, he's got a trademark on him. Mm. This might be the best one of the lot. In fact, it is the best one of the lot. If anything, he's actually, he's got a bit too much club on it. He's hit it too full, if anything. Um, but what that means, instead of like a low arrow into the bottom corner, all the other ones are low. This one just explodes off his boot. Mm. Victor Valdez is standing there. It sails past him and it kind of goes, you know, postage stamp right at the meeting, yeah. of po- meeting a post and bar. A little bit of Van Basten, it sounds like to me. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of ilk. And uh, it's 3-2. It's at one of the best goals in Champions League history, just mm. full on the volley after this outrageous Fabregas pass. Mm. And it's now 3-2 suddenly on the night. And Arsenal lead on away goals. So it's a real role reversal. Mm. But again, this is Barcelona. Straight from kickoff, it's back to the wall again. And, you know, Barcelona are throwing everything at Arsenal. You've got, you know, 83 minutes in the Esther as one saved by Almunia. 87 mm. minutes. Substitute Bojan, who you still don't rate, but I still do. Uh, he hits the post. Yeah, and then on 89 minutes, there's a real kind of moment of contention. There's always going to be moments mm. of contention in this game. Barcelona are trying to work the ball back in the area. It's kind of panic stations. They're just trying to get the ball back in the area. Yeah, Mascherano's got the ball, and he tries to work it across to Eric Abidal for mm. one big pun into the box. But he, he fucks it up, essentially. And uh, the ball's intercepted, and it hits the midriff of Robin Van Persie. And this is like around the halfway line. This is to pump it back in the box. Right. So... There's, at this point, no one between Robin Van Persie and Victor Valdez. The ball's landed kindly after it's hit Van Persie's midriff. And there's no one between him and the keeper. So you think kind of Torres, his goal at the Camp Nou? Yeah. This is like that. Like, it's one-on-one. On one. Surely this is the end of it. And Arsenal start to believe this is going to make it 3-0 on the night. Mm. They're, they're through. But then there's a whistle, Warren. There's a, there's a shrill whistle that cuts through the Catalonian panic. Yeah. Massimo Busaka. I don't know if you know that name. Uh, I, I don't. No. It means very little to me. But to Arsenal fans, it might just mean something more. The Swiss referee blows up for <laughs> handball against Robin Van Persie. Ooh. And let me tell you, this is an awful decision. It's a horrendous decision. If it does hit his arm, it's like right kind of by his stomach. You know, yeah. one of them. So Arsenal players surround the referee because he was through on goal. He was going to score. The fall that Van Persie's in like 2010-11. Yeah. Yeah. That's prime Van Persie. He's going to go and score here. And the referee's blown up. And what's more, as they've crowded round it, yeah, obviously Van Persie's chief amongst the complaints. <laughs> so uh, Pasaka sees an opportunity. He gets the old yellow card uh... out again. That's two. The sliding doors moment was what if Van Persie didn't get sent off in the 55th minute. Yeah. But in the 89th, you know, I, I don't see any reason why not. Van Persie's, really Van Persie's sent walking. The referee's just doing anything he can, it feels like. Mm. So we're into injury time now. Can Arsenal hold on for seven minutes of injury? Uh, seven? Seven minutes? Where'd he get seven from? What? He's got seven minutes from somewhere. Anyway, 
at most we're talking five, but there's seven minutes added on. And in the 95th minute, Barcelona get a corner. Everyone's up, including Victor Valdez, which mm. is not the first time that I've had Victor Valdez up for a corner against Arsenal in the Champions League, <laughs> incredibly, in five episodes. But check out episode one if you haven't already. That will happen. I think it was episode one anyway. I think it was. it episode one? It was episode two. I think it was episode two. No, it's got to be episode two. Look at all of them. It's in, it's in one of them. Um, but yeah, corner gets swung in. And it's a big header from Johan Giroud, who started that night. Uh, you know, clears it away until there's another whistle. Now, in the box off the ball, Busquets and Koscielny have been tussling, you know, like you see at every corner yeah. across the world every week, essentially. Yeah. Uh, but before Busquets can even think to clutch his face, <laughs> penalty, Barcelona. It's it's a horrendous decision, like yeah. even worse than the, red, uh, the Van Persie handball. It's absolutely awful. And it smacks of UEFA being bang behind it. It yeah. just looks horrendous. Uh, Wenger's screaming at the fourth official. All the players are crowding the ref, who at this point is power hungry. So he sends uh, Sami and Nasri off as well now. Oh. Um, you know, violent, offensive yeah. language or something. Uh, Wenger's stent to the stands. It's, it's chaos in Catalonia. Like everything's popping off at this point. But there's one man who's patiently waiting just on the center, yeah. on the penalty spot for all this to die down. Mm. And that is, of course, Lionel Messi. So the dust settles. It's Messi against Almunia for a hat trick for Messi. The same mm. man who scored four against them at the new Camp last year to send them out in the knockout stages. He stutters and he slots it. Of course he does. He's yeah. Lionel Messi. Thought he gets he his hat trick full time, which, you know, by the way, of course the whistle was blown a bit early. Yeah. Um, six and a half minutes, actually. Six and a half minutes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's 4-2 on the night and Barcelona go through 5-4 on aggregate. But the questions and the protest, they rumble mm. long into the night at full yeah. time. All the Arsenal players around the referee. He sends Almunia off just for good measure. And uh, Wenger's post-match presser echoes the words of a Didier Drogba uh, rant, I guess you'd call it, in 2009. It's a disgrace. Mm. Arsenal are out. Barcelona go through. So the rest of the run, like, I, you know, that was one game. Yeah. But as I've said to you already, this Barcelona team was maybe the best of our generation. Mm. You know, the rest of the one to the Champions League title still happens because they were probably the best team in Europe. Yeah. The best team in the world. Yeah. But obviously with all of this, that's just gone on, there's more than half an eye on these refereeing decisions. So uh, the next round is a little bit less controversial. They just go and beat Shakhtar. I think it's five yeah. one in the first leg. So that kind of deals with that. But the semis lands them an El Clasico over two legs mm. uh, against Real Madrid. And they're managed by Mourinho at this point, who's mm. obviously in, you know, slightly goes against what he's previously done. Uh, he jumps to Arsenal's defence, you know, Ooh. trying to get into the mind games. He's so often vocal in his opposition of Wenger, but he's saying, you know, he's telling the media how Arsenal have been subject to a historical scandal. He speaks of his sympathy for Mr. Wenger. You know, all this kind of stuff. Mm. Just trying to get in the heads, as he always yeah. does. I don't know if you remember the first leg of that game at Bernabeu, but it was a shockingly tempered game, yeah. as, you know, many old Clasicos are. And, you know, with Pepe the whole Arsenal thing and everything that Mourinho has been saying, in, you know, pre-match, yeah. That's only intensified. Mm. Uh, so as happened in real life, when this all culminates in a Pepe red card yeah. just past the hour mark, and then Mourinho getting sent to the stand as well, there's even more questions being asked. Mm. Um, but, you know, the game naturally from that point turned in Barcelona's favour. And there's another goal which I refuse to take away from history. And that is, I already mentioned one of probably my top three messy goals of all time. This would also be in there as well. He's second on the night yeah. where he just picks the ball up on about the halfway line just yeah. goes through the the middle of the burnabout the whole team is 
gorgeous. And yeah. for that, Warren, I'm actually going to cut to you quickly because I think I know the answer, but I want to ask you anyway. What is your favourite Lionel Messi goal of all time? Oh, well, it's a it's a it is a good question. Um, I'll give you my honourable mentions very quickly. I've got to be honest. Uh, it's free kick against Liverpool. That was that was like it goes oh, under the gorgeous. radar because I didn't they think of that exactly because no one remembers it because obviously that was Liverpool's nah, tie yeah. in the end. But that was an outrageous free kick. Watched that in a bar in Leeds and lost my head on my own. Um, <laughs> but I think my number one. Uh, is his goal against Bayern Munich where he sits yeah, down Boateng and uh, it's sort of in one fluid motion he sits down Boateng literally and then chips the ball over six foot six Neuer without like <laughs> without, ma- without meaning he meant like without meaning like he looking like he meant to do it it's fantastic I'd say that yeah. one yeah that I knew you'd say that one <laughs> The the only other one is like the Getafe one where he like, you got the like Getafe the one you got the Bilbao one there's a lot the, to be yeah, honest his first El Clasico goal is pretty mental there's a lot yeah yeah there's a lot of them there's anyway it, it, you know if anyone bothers to watch this stick it down what's your favorite Messi goal that's, anyway yeah, absolutely because that you know that's it says how good he is that you can literally have that conversation yeah. you can't do like oh, what was your favorite end of Valencia goal can you but anyway um, Barcelona win that game two 0 obviously. Mm. Um, at the Bernabeu, two away goals. They're very much in the driving seat and mm. they come back to the Camp Nou and they draw one all to put them through to the final at Wembley. Uh, I will just point out here that, of course, uh, Gonzalo Higuain had a goal disallowed at nil-nil <laughs> in that second leg, which was more than a bit dodgy too, in my opinion. But anyway, mm. uh, the final at Wembley, despite, like I said, despite all this chicanery and all this shite, this Barcelona team is outrageous. Yeah, And so most of this final, they were well... Be- they, they were so much better than Man United and they finish up 3-0 winners mm. why not 3-1 like in real life because apparently from what I read uh, Rooney's goal was marginally offside Ryan ah. Giggs was marginally offside in the build up so naturally the fix is in that <laughs> yeah. goal gets ruled out and because uh, it was only 1-0 at the time so you know you can't you can't risk that no but anyway Barcelona win 3-0 and uh, the greatest side of my lifetime take the Champions League final and take the Champions League in mm. 2010-11 but obviously the legacy is tainted and their name never gets etched on that trophy, Warren. Ooh. Yeah, I know. There's, you know, there's an inquest afterwards. Obviously there is. Yeah. Whether it was the Van Persie sending off, the penalty, the Nasri, Almunia sending off, Pepe sending off, either of Wenger and Marino getting sent to the stands <laughs> or Higuain's dislike goal or Rooney's disallowed goal. Like mm. there's a lot of kind yeah. of golf here. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so it feels like there's an asterisk over the Barcelona treble, especially the Champions League trophy. Mm. And then there's an announcement, Warren, that shocks the whole world, not even the football world. FC Barcelona, Mezque un club, more than a club. Mm. They're being investigated for match fixing. Mm. UEFA reportedly has evidence of bung sent to referees uh, for favourable decisions in the knockout rounds, giving those favourable decisions to Catalonians. And, you know, it tracks. You know, there's yeah. decent evidence for it. Um, but Barcelona insists they're clear of any wrongdoing, but swiftly... The season finishes and UEFA and the Spanish Football Federation make their decisions. Much like Juventus in 2006 in Calciopoli, Barcelona are stripped of their Champions League title and their wow. league title and their Super Cup title. And not only that, they are relegated to the Segunda División, the second tier of Spanish football, and given a 10-point deduction when they get there. And they do appeal these decisions, but to no avail. And despite claiming no wrongdoing, Football fans believe justice has been done. Mm. Quick side note, because I love a quick side note fact in these tall tales. 
So Syria is obviously completely unaffected by all of this, but I've yeah. just mentioned Calciopoli, which mm. apparently stands for Football Gate. That means football gate. <laughs> I didn't know it, man. Um, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, Football Gate, apparently. So the year that Juventus were down in Serie B yeah. was 2006-07. Yes. The penultimate year of this tall tale will be 2012-13. And the top two in Serie B in 2006-07 was the same top two as in Serie A, in 2012-13, mm. which I think is crazy. Yeah. In six years, the top two from the second tier then become the top two from the first tier. I think that's mental. That is mental. Yeah, that would be like, from last year, that would be, what, Leeds and West Brom being top two in yeah. six years. But anyway. Thankfully not. That's all. Uh, back back to the matter at hand. Hmm. Uh, so it's a quick summary. Uh, Barcelona are now in the second tier. Sevilla were therefore handed the Super Cup instead. Oh, brilliant. Mourinho's Real Madrid were given the La Liga title, which naturally Mourinho... Did not shirk any kind of, oh, this isn't a proper trophy. And uh, Manchester United were awarded their fourth European Cup in a boardroom in Neon, Switzerland, which is obviously (laughs) UEFA's headquarters. Uh, And that is where the Champions League being won in Switzerland comes in. But that's also where the Royal Mail come in. Mm. uh, Because Sir Alex Ferguson's medal somehow gets lost in the post, I'm assuming, by an opportunistic postman Mm. who, you know, feels something medal-like in the post. And uh, he whips home with him. But Fergie refuses to chase it up. And he says in the media, a Champions League title won in the boardroom has not been won at all. Ooh, Fergie. So, uh, you know, that's that. Anyway, Mm. 2011-12, I'm only going to focus on two competitions this season. Okay. The Champions League and the Segunda Division. Yeah. I'm doing Duolingo and yet my accent remains atrocious. Um, I'll start with the slightly more predictable Segunda Mm. Division. Hmm. Uh, in which Barcelona pip Celta Vigo to the title by a mere 13 points, mm. uh, which obviously would have been 23, but for the 10-point deduction. Yeah, fair point. Um, the actual real-life winner that year, fun fact, was Deportivo La Coruña, mm. um, who were never in the division because they finished third bottom in La Liga the year before. Oh. But obviously, Barca's demotion saved them from relegation. That's how it all, uh, how it all turns out. So Barca finished that season with uh, 37 wins, four draws, and just one defeat. Mm. The one defeat they were subject to was 1-0 away at Union Deportivo Salamanca, um, a club who also were initially relegated the year before in the final relegation place from the second tier. But with Barcelona's demotion, that also meant that Barcelona's B team had to be relegated mm. despite finishing third in the second tier the year <laughs> before, which just says how good Barcelona were at the time. Their reserve team was coming third in the second division. Yeah. But anyway, Barca sealed the title in March... And it was a 2-1 win away at Las Palmas um, in one of only two games where Barcelona only won by one goal. And the winner was scored by Pedro. And uh, that goal obviously meant quite a lot to Pedro. It's a goal that mean all the more to him because he was born in Santa Cruz de Tenerife. Hence the Tenerife shirt that I'm wearing. Very nice. That's the home of Club Deportivo Tenerife. And his first club was Club Deportivo San Isidro, (laughs) who are a little club from the south of the island. So obviously it's a Tenerife lad. Scoring Mm. against Las Palmas is a big deal. If you don't know your Canary Islands derby, get to know. World Soccer Magazine ranked it the 49th biggest derby in world (laughs) football back in 2008. You know. Not my words. The words of World Soccer Magazine. The words of World (laughs) Soccer Magazine. Are they just deliberately trying to be nation hipster? Yeah, probably. But we're going to... We're going to say that it is the 49th biggest derby in the world. In the whole... Uh. The whole wide world. <laughs> anyway, 
So there's a couple of other impacts on that that I'll just touch on for the Segunda División. Yeah. Uh, so most of Barcelona's team stayed, like a lot of the Juve boys did, especially because Barcelona's so kind of jam-packed full of Barcelona Academy products. Yeah. So it's a lot bigger of a thing. So like Messi stays, Javi stays, Iniesta stays, Pique, Pedro, uh, you know, Busquets, they all stay. Um, and plus they really feel like, you know, there's been mm. horrible wrongdoing against them. Like they insist that they are completely innocent in all of this mm. the only major departure is uh, David Villa who actually joins Manchester City instead of Sergio Aguero that year Ooh. and it's David Villa that scores the famous winner against QPR <laughs> Villa? to win Man City the league uh, Aguero on the other hand would stay at Atletico for another year before then joining his mate Messi at Barcelona one year later as oh. the, I guess the replacement for Villa um, so Aguero ends up at the Camp Nou but after that season uh, but speaking of Messi, you know, obviously, Aguero's yeah. mate, um, he takes the golden boot in the second tier with uh, 61 league goals, <laughs> uh, which is well over a goal a game. And that means that he marginally pips the initial winner of the award that year, uh, Leonardo Ajoa, who knocked Ooh. 28 goals for Almeria that year. So uh, just beating him by the odd 40... 40... 30... 33. <laughs> oh, God, Jesus, my... I, I have to do maths for my job as well. That's a really worrying prospect, isn't it? Anyway, um, the Champions League. I'm going to move on to the Champions League. Mm. I'm going to take you straight to the round of 16, where it's full time at the San Siro. And it's just finished AC Milan 4, Arsenal 0. Mm. Not good. No. Arsenal were out to avenge last year's scandal, but that result was really kind of put a spanner in the works. But I don't know if you remember that second leg, Warren. I'm going to transport you to half-time at the Emirates. It's currently 3-0 to Arsenal. Yeah. Goals from Koscielny, Rosicki, and a Van Persie penalty add them right back in it. Mm. In real life, they couldn't get over the line. They, you know, the kind of second half was a bit of a whimper, and it finished 4-3 yeah. in aggregate. But in this one, they're fueled by more. They're fueled by injustice <laughs> in this universe, and they want vindication. And Milan feeling the heat, mm. and it's a famous equaliser just past the hour mark. Alex Song who, by the way, the best player I've ever seen in a West Ham shirt, better than Payet, better than Tevez, better than any of them for about six months. He's on the end of a Javinho cross to make it 4-0, and we're level on aggregate. And then in the 89th minute, the best limbs that the Emirates has ever seen beats Welbeck, beats Arshavin, beats whoever. It's another Javinho cross, and who's underneath it? It's a man who was a bit of a bags man a couple of years before in the knockout stages for Bordeaux. It's Marouane Shamak. Yeah. Big Marouane Shamak plants his header past Christian Abiati and sends North London into hysteria. <laughs> it's 5 0. It's full time. And Arsenal have completed probably the greatest comeback in Champions League yeah. history. So, where does that put? Well, in the next round, Milan in real life got Barcelona, funny enough. Uh, but as the new Spanish champions, as a result of boardroom dealings, that means Arsenal are up against Real Madrid. Mm. Wenger against Mourinho in the Champions League quarterfinals. And Wenger finally has his win. Finally, nil-nil at the Emirates, which gives Arsenal a bit of an uphill task, mm. especially when Mesut Ozil recently, you know, just moved to Fenerbahce, not in not in this university, he's no. still at Real Madrid. He makes it one-nil to Real Madrid with an early goal. Uh, but even though Real Madrid kind of dominate, they don't make it, don't make Arsenal pay. Mm. And in the eighty-first minute, the same minute Van Persie scored at the Camp Nou the year before, Arsenal get an equaliser. And who's the scorer? It's Cesc Fabregas. Who obviously Cesc. didn't go to Arsenal the year before. Because Bar- uh, didn't go Barcelona when they uh, the year before, sorry, because they got relegated, and he's not going to play in second tier of Spanish football. God no. So he stays at Arsenal for another year. He's not going to go anywhere else, mm. and he scores away at Real Madrid. It's like the Catalonian boy going and doing a job, 
and you know in that little like right up in the gods you know where the away uh, away end is at the burnabout yeah. like right up miles in the air no when it goes mental yeah. it, it's limbs that rival that of the shamak goal Oof. and then they're repeated again at full time it's one on aggregate arsenal win on away goals and Wenger's smug smile as he shakes Mourinho's hand is beaming. <laughs> but uh, where does that where does that take Arsenal then? That takes them to the semi-finals and against Mourinho's old boys, Chelsea. Mm. It's a London derby in the Champions League semi-final. Arsenal versus Chelsea. It's out of two teams who both believe their names on this trophy. Arsenal, what we've already touched on, they're fueled by vindication. They've had an unbelievable comeback and they've beaten Mourinho. But this is the year that Chelsea actually won it in real life. Mm. And they had you know, their name written on the trophy for the whole thing as well. I mean, they had to beat Valencia in the final group stage, uh, final match out of group stage to qualify at all for the knockout rounds. They had to come back from a 3-1 defeat in the first leg at Napoli in the last yeah. 16, I'll end up winning 4-1, which would have been the comeback of the round if it weren't for Arsenal doing their whole thing against Milan. And then it was an injury time clincher against Benfica in the last game that uh, got them through to the semi. So, you know, they feel like they're star-crossed as well. These are two star-crossed teams now. Mm. But at the semi-final stage, at this point in time, we're talking about fate and star-crossings and stuff like that. It's Arsenal. It's Arsenal that had their name on the t- title more. Most of Chelsea's luck came in that semi-final against yeah. Barcelona and then in the final. At this point in time, Arsenal are the team that have got their name in the trophy. Mm. So Arsenal win the first leg at Stamford Bridge 1-0. Uh, a goal from Van Persie who loved the goal at Stamford Bridge I think it was that very season he scored a hat-trick in the 5-3 which mm. I've always remembered which I don't know that seems iconic to me that hat-trick and then it comes back to the Emirates it looks like Chelsea are going to break some hearts uh, Drogba as he always does always, scores always. on 35 minutes makes it 1-0 and then that man Fernando Torres uh, scores just 8 minutes later and it's 2-0 mm. with Chelsea they've got 2 away goals and you think oh, here we go but in first half injury time, again, this is all pretty much the exact same as what happened to Chelsea in Barcelona. It was Ramirez that gave Chelsea hope then. Mm. Obviously, you know, Brazilian. Who's the only Brazilian in Arsenal's squad? Do you want to have a guess? It's not Andre Santos, is it? It is. It's Andre <laughs> Santos. That's great knowledge from you. Andre Santos makes it 2-1 to give Arsenal hope. Ooh. But it's still 2-1 on aggregate. Chelsea are leading on away goals. They're planning their trip to Munich. It's in... Injury time, second half injury time. But Arsenal works some space and there's inexplicably the ball works its way through to a player who's one-on-one in red against Petr He takes it around the keeper. The Emirates is stunned. The player in question rolls it home and the ground explodes. You think Arshavin, you think Welbeck, you think Fabregas, you think Shamak, you think all of them. Combined, this is maybe better than all of them. And who scored the goal to make it 3-2, put Arsenal into the Champions League final? Current manager, Mikel Arteta. Oh, yes. Of course it is. Big Mick. But, you know, and then the final, I'm, I'm hardly even going to touch on because mm. when it comes to this year's Champions League, it was all to do with fate. The only difference is that, you know, the stars have aligned in red and white except yeah. for blue and white. Everything breaks Arsenal's way at the Allianz. Absolutely everything. Even when Thomas Muller puts Bayern 1-0 up, he's Van Persie rather than Drogba, who scores the late header to take mm. into extra time. And when it comes to the penalty shootout, it's Van Persie that rolls in the winning penalty. There's nothing I can do to change that. I can just change the colours. Two number 11 So it's Arsenal well. that reap the benefits their first Champions League title mm. and Chelsea's weight goes on. So the tall tale's nearly over, which is good because I'm nearly at half an hour. But there's just a couple of things that I'm going to touch on. Uh, and obviously we've got to get the big, the big cliffhanger as well. No, so 2012-13, there's only really two points of note. Mm. Um, Barcelona, 
are back in the big time and as fated they win the league with 100 points sealed with a 4-2 win over Real Betis very nice meanwhile in the Champions League uh, Chelsea not winning the Champions League actually means that they don't qualify for the Champions League at all because they finished 6th mm. the last year so it's Tottenham who get yeah. into the Champions League and they do go further than Chelsea did but they are eventually beaten by Dortmund in the last 16 mm. Arsenal also knocked out in the last 16 to Bayern they nearly did another comeback they win 2-0 that was the other one where they took yeah. two years in a row they nearly did the comeback against AC Milan didn't mm. And then the next year, they lost the home league against Bayern 3-1 and then won 2-0 in Munich. But And obviously, in this universe, that's where they won the Champions League the year before as well. But Bayern get their revenge. And it's yeah. them too. It's Dortmund and Bayern at Wembley, where Barcelona allegedly won it two years earlier. And Bayern win. That's the only two things to cover there. Mm. And that brings me to the final season. Only one competition. There's only one thing that I want to talk about. There's only one thing Barcelona want to talk about, and that's the Champions League. Mm. And they've got revenge on their minds. They beat Manchester City in the last 16. So this gets them to the last eight, where they play Atletico de Madrid. And in real life, uh, I think it was a one-all draw in the first leg, and Atletico win 1-0 at the Calderon to go through. In this universe, that goes the other way. And the scorer is former Atleti hero, Sergio Aguero. Of course yeah. it is. Always. Always going to happen. So he puts them through to the semis, which draws Barcelona against Chelsea. And uh, Chelsea's weight goes on. You know, all, all the fates they could have maybe drawn on in the fixture against Barcelona, Arsenal used up the year before. Mm. So Barcelona win both legs 2-0, and that brings them to the final in Lisbon. And who else is it going to be? It's Real Madrid looking for La Decima in the first ever El Clasico Champions League final. Mm. You know, stakes are high. And it's, you know, it's a heavyweight battle, this one. Yeah. Huge game, heavyweight battle. Sergio Ramos puts uh, Real Madrid 1-0 up before Aguero which is now, he's now part of an all-Argentinian AUM front three, or OM front three, and he levels it up at the break. One all at half time. And then the U of that front three looks like he might have won it for Barcelona. I'm trying to figure out who it is. Uh, It's 2-1 with 15 minutes left. I don't think you'll guess, uh, but I'll I'll give you one guess who the U is. Argentinian U that makes it 2-1 to Barcelona. U. U. Is it a second? It's a set surname, yeah. The U is a surname, yeah. No, I can't get it. Uh, you don't. You didn't think that Barcelona, uh, you know, you didn't think that a show as twenty-eight goals at Almeria would go unnoticed, did you? <laughs> sure, surely not. <laughs> twenty-eight goals in the Segunda División. <laughs> That don't go unnoticed. <laughs> it's Leonardo Ajoa that makes it two-one to Barcelona wow. with fifteen minutes left. But then with five minutes left. You know, we're back to square one. Ronaldo lands a jab. It's mm. two all. But then in the 92nd minute, there's a knockout blow, Warren. The ball set back to the edge of the box. And who's waiting there? It's the M of the front three. Lionel Messi, in the 92nd minute, steals La Decima mm. from Real Madrid. And you know, the, I mean, I know you remember it because I was sat in our front room with you watching it and we both celebrated like our own team had scored. That iconic celebration from Lionel what Messi at the Bernabeu where he takes off his shirt and he shows his shirt to the Bernabeu. Often imitated, never quite recaptured. In never matched, way. never matched. But this might be even more iconic. He does it in front of the Barcelona fans at the Estadio Daluge. Mm. He does the same thing, takes his shirt off. Instead of showing him the back of the shirt, he shows him the front of the shirt. It's one of the most iconic photos in football in history. And the statement is deafening. Barcelona are back. <laughs> Bouncing back are Barcelona. <laughs> but why did they ever go? Well, that's been left, you know, untalked about. Mm. So, you know, it's the evening of the 24th of May, 2014. 
as UEFA president Michel Platini hands the Champions League trophy to Carlos Puyol and the Barcelona boys. Mm. And the celebrations go along into the night, the 24th of May 2014. Platini sits in a plush wine bar in central Lisbon with FIFA president Sepp Blatter, who are both famously squeaky clean organisations. Yeah. Allegedly. We don't want to get sued. So Barcelona have won a Champions League, got relegated, come back, won a league, and now they've won another Champions League. And the publicity and attention that this story has garnered mm. has gripped the footballing world, gripped the world at large, just as Platini and Blatter planned it all <laughs> along. Worldwide media still brandish Barcelona, who plead innocence to this day to be the most unpopular winners mm. in Champions League history, while Platini and Blatter order another bottle of the house red and give each other a wry smile. We did it. We did it, Sep. Do Barca ever clear their name? Does Johnny Law ever catch up with Blatter and Platini for that? Or there any of their other numerous doubles of corruption, allegedly? You know, allegedly. Russia and Qatar, anyone? Just asking the question. Allegedly asking the allegedly. question. Allegedly. But anyway, I will let the fans decide. Oh. That is the end of my tall tale. That's fantastic. I loved... I didn't expect to sort of film noir aspects are sort of creeping <laughs> but i'm a big fan of it i could really imagine that just being a scene in black and white and just like the ending sort of orchestral like wah, wah, as it like yeah, it's and like, it's the like end, really question kind of, mark you know them films which kind of end where there's there's kind of like no music it's just like black and white yeah. and it's just kind of really unsettling and i mean set is unsettling to look at at the best of times yeah um, Nothing alleged so, about that. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> is categorically true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was happy to create some real controversy. That's in this excellent. One. That was. So. That's probably the most. I mean, when I was thinking about the direction that this could go in, that never once. <laughs> and it's a credit to you. you know that what? Never crossed my mind. I I didn't know. I, when I was writing it, I was like, this could go one of two ways. This could be like really obvious from the start that this is what's happened. Yeah. Or it, like, or you just won't see it coming, and then oh. I'll drop it, and I your, did not your panties will fall down. My panties are on the floor. They're on the floor, mate. As they so often are. As they so often are. To be fair, but that was excellent. <laughs> I I sincerely enjoyed that. Uh, well done. I, uh, I well, thank I, you very much, mate. It would be I'm, a good uh, one to delighted. do a sequel on. You know, we've been sort of uh, debating the possibility further down the line of some sequel tall tales you know to pick it I mean up from yeah if, if we're going to do any sequels so far I think mm. that one's the most set up for it with the big, big cliffhanger real strong contender um, maybe I mean what happened anyway they I think didn't they get raided somewhere in Switzerland at some point yeah it's like the yeah, FBI it all, came from didn't they yeah brilliant <laughs> absolutely brilliant <laughs> but, uh... open up boys <laughs> knock knock who's there <laughs> uh, anyone in anyway uh, enough yes. of that corruption, mate. I I want to hear your take on things. Which do you know what I'd absolutely love is if yours is if anything more corrupt, <laughs> and you, your feign of like shock has really just been to kind of set the scene for yours. Oh, there's a lot of a lot of twists. <laughs> you got to keep up. Um, mine isn't so corrupt, but it, it is an aspect very fraudulent. That's true. <laughs> oh God, are they involved? <laughs> I'm going to tease you a little bit. Um, this is a story, this tall tale. It's a story about refereeing wrongs being righted, obviously, okay. in the initial. But, you know, we'll see where that goes. It's two <laughs> world-class players battling out to be the best. Uh, there's a golden period for clubs in the capital. Um, okay. It's a story about assists being better than goals. 
and right. uh, there are uh, there's a couple of rounds of trivia sprinkled in this one for you as well as we that. go along. I love that. I but, love the uh, interactive section. <laughs> it is interactive, um, and it's uh, a real look at the extent of Gary Neville's vocal range as well. Brilliant. But... <laughs> That Twitter thread recently would have been oh so different in your universe, I assume. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but we're going to start off um, really by the Champions League game itself. And first of all, I, I'm going to acknowledge in my own tall tale, it's a horrendous decision by the referee. Yeah. Um, and I think I understand why. It's not because he was on UEFA's payroll. He was wearing a white top when he was officiating was the game. He was wearing a white top, so I'm not surprised that he was even more incompetent than your average ref, because that is just... It makes me sick. That's tantamount to fucking... Treason. Lunacy. Lunacy and treason. Um, <laughs> but let me tell you, I'm going to rotate the board just a little bit. Please do. And the sliding doors moment of my tall tale is not specifically whether or not uh, the ref sends off Van Persie for no reason. Actually, the sliding doors moment of my tall tale is this. Is the referee a complete moron? (laughs) And I'm going to say that in my tall tale the referee isn't horrendously incompetent. And we're going to see how that would affect things from the very start of the game and not just from the 54th minute. I was going to say, is this sliding doors moment going to be from the start of the game or from his childhood in (laughs) countryside Switzerland? Um, Given that we have to limit this to 30 minutes, um, I'm going to very briefly touch on this child. No, it's going to be from the start of the game. Um, as you very correctly pointed out, on the 32nd minute, way before the Van Persie incident, Barcelona have a stonewall penalty decision turned out. Um, for those of you who haven't seen the highlights, <clears throat> it's Lionel Messi, of course, on the ball. Gail Clichy trips him as Lionel Messi knocks the ball past him. Messi goes down, it's in the box, the referee's two yards away. For some reason, he doesn't give it. It's a ludicrous yeah, it's decision. Shocking. But in this tall tale, the referee is actually competent, so he gives it. So even before the red card decision, whilst the game is still nil-nil on the night, on 31 minutes, Barcelona get given the opportunity to take the lead from the spot. And it's Messi himself who steps up, and of course is a delightful Penenka this time. Of course it is. Barcelona are now 1-0 up in the first half, and it's 2-all on aggregate. Barcelona get the second goal as well. Right at the start of the second half, Messi again that little lift over Almunia for the volley. You know, aesthetic stuff. 2-0. Looks like game set and match. Until 52 minutes, of course, as was fated, Nazari sticks the ball in from a corner. Sergio Busquets gets his big Swede on it, only to misdirect it into his own net. It's now 2-1 to the home side. The current scoreline mirroring the result of the last tie means that it's all level. And that means that psychologically... In my opinion, and I think in the opinion of a lot of people, it is slightly advantage Arsenal at this point. You know, any goal for them with away goals is sort of worth two. See, that's the thing. I always think in the Champions League, it's better to play away yeah. second leg because any goal you score is so much more important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you know what Pep's like, who is obviously Barca manager at this point. He can really get in his own head in sort of situations <laughs> like this. Big European nights. And uh, on the turning point of the own goal, which is obviously the third goal on the night that was scored, not the second, yeah. things just start going a little bit wrong for Barca. You know, they, they, they start, they stop probing so much, they start overhitting passes just a little bit. And Arsenal are more than happy to just sit back and look to hit them on the break, which obviously they did hit them on the break on 54 minutes when Fabregas puts Robin Van Persie through, yeah. only for the offside flag to go up. Obviously, nothing doing this time, the offside flag went. But it is a different game. Barcelona have been rocked, and 
Oh, and obviously, you know, Van Persie doesn't get sent off for kicking the ball in the net because the ref is incompetent. But it's a different game. Barcelona have been rocked a little bit. And if you had one criticism of this Pep Barcelona team, it's that they really only had one way of playing, which was yeah. possession, as we both know. But Arsenal were holding firm enough against it. Uh, Barca don't get their penalty in this universe on the 70th minute because they're just struggling to get in the box. They're just struggling to create coherent attacks. Yeah, And on 88 minutes, just as extra time is looming, Jack Wilshire picks up the ball Jackie. after another Barcelona attack, breaks down. He sort of picks up the ball on the edge of his own box. He dribbles past the press of both Xavi and then Sergio Busquets. He looks up and he sees Robin Van Persie peeling off the back of Eric Abidal 50 yards ahead of him. And the pass from Wilshire <laughs> is absolutely exquisite. Van Persie's put through. The offside flag stays down. Huge. And uh, as you very rightly pointed out, this is 2011 Van Persie we're talking about. It's another late goal in the tie as Van Persie slots it. <laughs> it's now 2-all on the night. 3-2 on aggregate. You don't even need away goals to figure this no. one out. Arsenal are going through to the uh, out of the first knockout round against Barcelona through to the quarterfinals. It's pretty famous stuff for Arsenal. Um, oh, that's huge. And... Um, it means the Barcelona aren't winning the 2011 Champions League. Um, so we move on to the rest of this season. Where do we go from here? Well, just to sort of tie up everything but the Champions League, domestically, there's not much change for Arsenal. They'd still finish fourth, naturally. Domestically for Barcelona, they still go on to win the league. Um, but obviously, Barcelona are out of the Champions League and Arsenal are in it, and that's where the big change is. Yeah. Arsenal go on to face Shakhtar Donetsk in the Champions League quarterfinals. They get a 1-0 win in both legs. Uh, goals from Koscielny at the Emirates and Jack Wilshere at the Donbass see Arsenal Daddy through to the Champions League semi-finals, where they play Real Madrid, who had just knocked out Tottenham, actually, in their uh, in their quarterfinal side. Oh, they had, didn't they? Hmm. Yeah. So it's now Madrid versus Arsenal in one semi-final. Uh, and unfortunately for Arsenal fans, there was destined to be a Spanish side in the uh, final of the 2011 Champions League. Um, Real Madrid do knock them out uh, in pretty emphatic fashion. It's a Mourinho versus Wenger fixture for a start. And, uh, you know, who tends to come out on top in those? First leg in, Bar- in Bernabeu, uh, Real Madrid get a 3-0 win. It's two goals from Ronaldo uh, and one from Ramos. Um, all three assists come from uh, the man of the match, a certain German playmaker by the name of Meza Ozil. Um, wow. Second leg at the Emirates, big mountain to climb. And despite an early goal from Emmanuel Abue, uh, which does inspire some hope, it's the other Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel Adebayor for Real Madrid, who does he grab a brace. for Real Madrid at that point. He, he had is. a loan spell, didn't he? I forgot about that. <laughs> he grabs a brace on his return to Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal get dumped out 5-1. Did he so, do the sprint down the pitch or did he just sprint all around the stadium sliding? Was it like one continuous knee slide around the entirety <laughs> of the Emirates? Yeah, he actually ran up to the sort of highest point on the concourse and then just slid <laughs> down the banister. Um, so he just doesn't knee slide on the clock <laughs> of the clock end. So um, the final becomes Real Madrid versus Man United, um, and obviously there's only one narrative there, which is the return to uh, face Man United for Cristiano Ronaldo. And I do just want to say at this oh, point, so. as you very much rightly pointed out. Uh, I echo your sentiments. This Barcelona team that went out in my tall sale, best team I've ever seen. Um, And I'm very sad to have to eliminate this final, the 2011 Champions League final at Wembley against Man United. 
because uh, it's probably the first game I watched that I was absolutely completely blown away just by performance. I was like, bloody. Do you know? Do you know what something. mine was? Go this on. is going to sound ridiculous, but only because we just mentioned him before. Go on. Germany four, Australia nil in the World Cup 2010 <laughs> because Özil. You know how much I love Meza Özil. Yeah. Like it's unspeakable how much I love him. That day he ran the game yeah. more better than anyone I'd ever seen in my life. That game was probably the second. It's the only reason I mention it. It's like mm. the only thing that I can think that was close to that final yeah. was that Ozil game. Yeah, absolutely. Does he do a similar masterclass? Similar masterclass? Master similar class. masterclass. Well, uh, he certainly pops up again in this tall tale. I'll say that much. It's funny because you mentioned Meza Ozil okay. running things. I remember that, that game against England. I think it might have been a oh, the 4-1. friendly. Yeah, was, was it friendly? Was it oh, a... no, not the like last 16 game in the World Cup. There might have been a friendly in there somewhere. I don't know, but anyway. Because the, the game in the World Cup where they beat us 4-1, it was like him and Thomas Muller, yeah. also a big favourite of mine, who killed us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, to be honest, uh, where are we? Oh, yeah, it's the final of the Champions League. <laughs> Wembley, and, uh... we're at Wembley. What <laughs> year is it? Real Madrid have beaten, have beaten Manchester United, if you're wondering. Um, oh, have they? Ronaldo didn't really turn up, truth be told, but uh, one man did, soon becoming a Real Madrid favourite. Uh, Meza Ozil scored of he did. the winning goal in a 1 0 win. Champions League trophy was headed to Madrid in 2011. And who do you think picked up man of the match? The little bug eyed boy himself. But going forward, things now became slightly different for Arsenal. You might have realised that from an Arsenal point of view, one man had cropped up as a high performer in their Champions League run. The one and only Jack Wilshere. Yeah. We all know that Arsene Wenger absolutely loved Jackie Wilshere as a youngster. Um, and in real life, at this point, and in this tall tale, he was just starting to fulfil some of that potential that he'd been showing. But sadly, in real life, the summer before the 2011-12 season, um, Wilshere gets his big, horrible injury uh, in a, a pre-season, pre-season uh, tournament known as the Emirates Cup, um, which I'm sorry is you know, really happy that he got to play in despite getting injured. Um, so yeah, in a completely pointless fixture against New York Red Bulls in that competition. Do you know uh, what? I was there that day. For some really? reason, I went to the Emirates Cup one year and I was there that day, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. Um, but in real life, he didn't play a single game for Arsenal in the 11-12 season. But you know what? In this tall tale, maybe with a couple of more Champions League games under his belt, a bit of added fitness, he's learned how to avoid a tackle from playing Sergio Busquets. <laughs> I'm saying that Wilshire doesn't suffer that injury in the Emirates Cup. And instead, he's fit and he's ready to play for Arsenal this season. And let me tell you, Jack Wilshire has an absolutely fire season for Arsenal in 2011-12. He's playing in that playmaker role, sort of number 10, supported by Alex Song and Darren Ramsey behind him. And he's absolutely shining. He's got 14 assists to his name in the league, seven goals as well. Um, He's the second top goal provider across all competitions behind uh, Van Persie, who was also on fire. Those two had a cracking partnership. So and, um, quite well for Arsenal here. It's all boding very well for Arsenal. I hope nothing goes wrong. Um, <laughs> and Arsenal, <laughs> they're probably playing the best football in the Premier League. Um, we'll see the epicenter. It doesn't change the league position too much. Um, they still finished third in 2011-12. Uh, they didn't win any of the Cups or anything like that. But the Champions League was a slightly different matter. In real life, uh, as you sort of rightly pointed out, it was that very strange round of 16 tie against Milan where they got battered and then they in turn battered Milan, but the Milan's battering was better than Arsenal's battering and they went through. But here I'm saying that a Jack Wilshere inspired Arsenal didn't cut their comeback short against Milan. 
In a famous night of the Emirates, a 6-1 win on the night saw Arsenal pull off. 6-1, Tim. So Arsenal pull off an unlikely comeback and go through to the quarterfinals 6-5. A quarterfinal tie against none other than Barcelona. It's a little cheeky little rematch. One stage further on in the competition than the year before, but there's definitely scores to be settled. Oh, yeah. First leg at the Emirates, that's 0-0. Which sets up a very difficult trip to the Camp Nou for Barcelona to try and get some through this time. Uh, through this time. But on the biggest of stages, the biggest players thrive. And Jack Wilshire puts on <laughs> such a clinic and in Catalonia. He bags two assists. He gets one himself. Sees Arsenal run out 3-1 winners in Barcelona, which does oh. not happen very often. That's a famous night. And I'll tell you what else doesn't happen very often. Jack Wilshire was substituted on 85 minutes to a standing ovation from every section of the new Camp crowd. Love that. Such was his performance for that whole game. Against a midfield of... He'll be playing know, for him in six months, so... Against a midfield of Xavi, Iniesta and Busquets, Jackie Boy, he ran the old thing. But once again, Arsenal knock Barcelona out of the Champions League and Arsenal go through at the semi-finals in 2012. On that side of the draw, of course, they faced Chelsea. Um, the winners in real life. Um, as a similar thing, I believe, happened in your Toto. Um, yeah. So there is no, sadly, no famous Gary Neville ooh when Torres rounds Valdez to win the game, which is a real shame. It is a shame. But there is an Arsenal versus Champions League semi-final, which is a very tasty affair. First leg is at Stamford Bridge, and uh, it was a fated 1-0 win for Chelsea. Obviously, Didier Drogba scores, as he always will, against Arsenal. But for about the hundredth time now in this tall tale, Arsenal mount the comeback in the second leg. They bring Chelsea back to the Emirates. They come away 2-0 winners in normal time. Wilshire's at the heart of everything. It's Van Persie and Ramsey with the goals. And Arsenal have made it through to the Champions League final for the first time since 2006. And if you're worrying, uh, worrying, if you're wondering about Gary Neville on commentary, let me tell you, every time that Jack Wilshire got on the ball, he did something silky. And Gary Neville let out a characteristic ooh of satisfaction. Let me tell you, I was worrying and wondering. <laughs> so uh, it's good that my mind's at ease now. So, you know, in this tall tale and in real life, that's definitely uh, a meme that, that continues to live. But Good. Champions League final time. And it's Arsenal this time, this English team. But they aren't playing Bayern Munich in this universe. In the other semi-final, Bayern Munich played Real Madrid. Uh, and after both games finished 2-1 to the home side, it was penalties at the Bernabeu to decide the contest, okay. just like real life. Now, in real life, Madrid completely balls up this shootout. Ronaldo and Kaká missed Madrid's first two penalties, uh, and Ramos missed the deciding one. But there was one deciding factor that's changed in this universe, which was how much more Real Madrid and Jose Mourinho loved Meza Ozil. After being instrumental in Madrid's Champions League victory the previous season, um, Ozil was Madrid's number one golden boy, maybe even more so than Ronaldo. And Ozil absolutely shone for Madrid. You know, his top assister in Spain, like every year is there, all that sort of thing. So deep into yeah. extra time, Josie had one last substitution. He does not opt to bring on Esteban Granero for Meza Ozil as he did in real life because <laughs> he knows he needs his main man on the pitch. And what use does he have for a QPR? Esteban Granero is about to head off to QPR as well. So. Exactly. <laughs> um, I actually quite liked Esteban Granero, but uh, I know, did. what do I, I know? It's shocking that he ever ended up at QPR. Yeah, but... I completely agree. Um, but when the game goes to penalties, yes, Ronaldo misses his first, but Ozil is preferred over Kaká to take the second. He scores his penalty, settles the nerves down for the Madrid team, 
Capadrida ended up winning the shootout after uh, Holger Badstuber misses the decisive penalty in sudden death for Bayern Munich. There is a name. There is a name. Rest in peace, Holger. So, (laughs) thanks to Mesut Ozil, once again, Real Madrid are in a Champions League final. uh, This time against another English club, but it's Arsenal. And it is another Mourinho-Wenger clash. Which I, I seem to absolutely love in my tall tales. I think there's been a lot of them. There's one. really been a lot of them. It's just vintage Barclays. Um, yeah, but really in the Champions League final this time, it goes down as one of the best Champions League finals of all time, basically. Brilliant. Real Madrid do win. I'm going to tell you that right now. But they run out 4 3 winners in normal time. It's one of those Ooh. games where it's like 2 1 after 12 minutes and everyone's just been like, oh my God. It's, it's one of them classic ones where you're like, you know what I mean? The old hand. What do you call that? Well, I, can't. You... I mean, yeah, I know you can't see me, but uh, you know where you like rub your hands. You're rubbing your hands together. That's what it is. There's no word for it. You're just rubbing your hands. What, what is it when you rub your hands together? What, what's that name? Uh, oh, I still can't remember what's wrong with my eyes. Can't yeah. remember the name of that either. No, I think it's. A, I think it might. It might like to be a brain problem. Um, yeah, likely. But yeah, it's one of those games. Benzema scores after a minute, puts rail in front. Ozil then slips in Ronaldo to score after five minutes. Everyone, you know, looks like the game's in control. Van Persie gets one back for Arsenal after 12 minutes, courtesy of Jack Wilshere assist. But, um, you know, it ends up being Real Madrid's um, competition. Um, It's pretty clear that there are two outstanding playmakers on the field at this point in Jack Wilshere and Mesut Ozil. It's just a case of which team can, like, finish more of the chances that they get created. Um, But it turns out being Real Madrid, who win with four different scorers. Um... Van Persie uh, scores all three of Arsenal's goals and becomes only the fourth player ever to score a Champions League final hat-trick, um, which in true Arsenal fashion is like a cool achievement, but it ultimately ends in defeat. Um, <laughs> but it's now trivia time, Tim. Can you name any of the other three players that have scored I can. Champions League final I, hat-tricks or European Cup? I reckon I can name all three only because everyone go and check out episode three if you haven't done, but Wayne Rooney did it in mine. And I looked at it. <laughs> it's Puskas, yep. uh, Pierino Pratti. What a player. And the other geezer, who also played for Real Madrid. And in the same game as well. De, uh, De Stefano. Was it yeah. the same game? Yeah, it was. It was a 7 3 against, against Eintracht Frankfurt. The only one better than uh, this final, by the sounds of things. Well, as De Stefano, surely. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. It's Puskas, Alfredo Di Stefano, and Piorino Pratti. Honestly, these tall towers are really helping my knowledge. <laughs> I'm, I've never felt so strong as a trivia king. Um, we're just going to get start and getting mixed up and be like, no, Ivory Coast won the World Cup in 2010. <laughs> it's just going to bleed into reality. He's like, do you remember that 2010 World Cup final <laughs> and the Ivory Coast? Um, but anyway, it's another Champions League, fi- uh, another Champions League from Madrid. And Arsenal lose. Um, two not, champ- we're Sorry, looking at Ledesma now, no? I, or was that the year before? Probably. It might have been the year before. Listen, yeah, I, just, I can't yeah. count to ten. Um, <laughs> it's two Champions Leagues in a row as well for big Jose Mourinho, which is fairly impressive. And, um, you know, Real Madrid even won La Liga. So everything's looked pre- pretty rosy for Jose. Um, rosy for Jose. Jose. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and off the back of all of this, when the Ballon d'Or rolls around in 2012, it wasn't actually Lionel Messi on the receiving end. It really had to go to a Real Madrid player. and um, yeah. But it didn't go to Ronaldo. 
It went to the man that he's probably sharing the spotlight this at this put spotlight with at this stage. For his starring role in two Champions League runs and a La Liga, it's Meza Ozil who is awarded the 2012 Ballon d'Or, richly deserved, ending Lionel Messi's streak of consecutive wins, um, becoming the first German to win the Ballon d'Or since 1996. And easy second round of trivia, who was the last German to win the Ballon d'Or? I've got Jürgen Klinsmann in here, but I don't think that's right. Mm. Uh, oh, um, oh, the gaze of the midfielder. Um, oh, I can't remember the gaze's name. Oh, it's going to really wind me up. We're going to have to tell me. I are you, are you thinking of Lota Mateus? That's exactly what I was thinking. You'd of, be yes. wrong. Lota oh, Mateus did win a Ballon d'Or, <laughs> but that was back in 1990. In 1996, right. it was Matthias Sammer, the lad from Dortmund, Who? if you remember him. You obviously don't. I don't either. That was, 96 was the year Dortmund won the Champions League, wasn't it? Yeah. And apparently oh, yeah, he was no. a big cheese. So Matthias Sammer, still the last German to ever win the Champions League. But anyway, uh, the crazy. Ballon d'Or, sorry. Um, but anyway, 2012... Ballon d'Or for Meza, richly deserved. I'm now going to touch on, if I may, the 2012 Please. Euros. Um, it, a bit of a cursed tournament, I've always thought. It, it probably had the most boring knockout phase I've ever seen in my life. And then oh, Italy... we, that was the one where we got knocked out on penners, wasn't it? By Italy. yeah, and then like there was like six goals scored in the whole knockout phase. Yeah. Italy lost. I worked four of, of them in the final as well, and Spain were like four 0 up after about half hour in the final. Like, yeah, that were it, and even the final was like a non-event. And Italy yeah. lost as well, which I, I don't like. But um, <laughs> the only good thing about Euro 2012 was that Andrea Pirlo, aged 33, stood head and shoulders above every other player uh, that yeah. was there. That's my main recollection. So in his honour, I'm wearing this delightful Juventus shirt. But anyway, oh, lovely. <laughs> right at this moment, England's best player was undoubtedly Jack Wilshere, um, who had been the best player like outside of United and City in the Premier League for like, the last two seasons. Yeah. So Wilshere actually gets on the plane to go to Euro 2012. Um, and unluckily for Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he does miss out. So I'm very sorry about that, Alex. Um, but Wilsh is like a really good player in this Hodgson system. He plays next to Gerrard in a 4-4-2. It sort of works. Um, Wilsh pretty much, much carries us. In a Roy Hodgson system. Yeah, exactly. Um, Wilsh pretty much carries us through the group, which, to be fair, we did top in real life. I thought it was unconvincing at the time. We top in this one as well. But in the first knockout round, as per real life, we faced off against Italy. Uh, but in this tall tale, it wasn't the worst game I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> courtesy of a Jack Wilshire goal, England go through 1-0 winners into the semi-final, where we play Germany. Cool. Soon to be Ballon d'Or winner, Meza Ozil, faces off against golden boy Jack Wilshire for the second time. England strike first in the game. Danny Welbeck tapping after a long-range effort from Steven Gerrard is parried by Neuer. England no, look I'm, like they're holding yeah, so on. Getting, yeah. <laughs> England look like I, they're... I, I thought it was still Italy, so I was like, Neuer? He's not Italian. <laughs> England strike for... And to be fair, he wouldn't get in over Buffon anyway. No, England, no, absolutely not. England uh, look like they're holding up. But as was fated, it's a 90-plus two-minute penalty given away when Julian Lescott trips Mario Gomez in the box. And it Charlie, is yeah. Mesut Ozil who converts. The game goes to penalties, which England lose... Germany convert all five of their penalties. Ashley Young skies his fourth over the bar, and England exit Euro 2012 at the semi final stage. Um, Mesut Ozil and Germany go through the final, obviously, to play Spain. Um, but repeat of the 08 final, no? It is a repeat of the 08 final. Um, and it's actually the same result as well, because as we've discussed before on this podcast, 
that Spain team between 2008 and 2012 was completely unstoppable. Um, yeah, and yeah, Spain do win good. the competition, but nevertheless, what has become a real debate at this to- at this point, the Özil versus Wilshire debate is raging on. So we move into 2012-13, and stuff's happening. Pep leaves Barcelona, which is well, that'll come into play later. Remember that right. you'll that be useful later. Okay. Arsene, Arsene Wenger is still at Arsenal. Özil's still at Madrid, but Robin van Persie, obviously in real life, went to Man United this year. He actually gives it one more year at Arsenal. Wenger's telling him they're going to go big for the Champions League. They got close last couple of seasons. Ferguson actually can't tempt Van Persie or Trafford. And of course, this really hampers United's title bid. United do look for a new striker, and they do take Mario Gomez off Bayern Munich, but it's just not the same. And United... It was getting on a bit around then, wasn't it? it? Well, so was Van Persie, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they both were, to be fair. Yeah. But it isn't the same. And United do not win the title in 2012-13. Instead, with the firepower of Van Persie and Jack Wilshire pulling all the strings, Arsene Wenger finally ends his own and Arsenal's uh, Premier League trophy drought, uh, drought by securing the Premier League in 2012-13 with a 4-1 win over Wigan in their last home game of the season. Wigan got relegated in that fixture, but two goals from Van Persie, a goal from Wilshire, and an own goal from Antonin Alcaraz, Arsenal secured... <laughs> their first Premier League title for nearly a decade. City were in second, Man United down in third. No prizes for guessing who the PFA Player of the Season and PFA Young Player of the Season, which is, I think, always really annoying when they do that, but nevertheless, they sometimes do. Jack Wilshire sweeping up. I thought it was going to be Anatoly Alcaraz. Well, that's where I think he came (laughs) a distant third. Uh, Jack Wilshire swept the awards at the end of the season, and he's still injury-free, surprisingly. In La Liga, um, Mesut Özil still at Real Madrid. They still, you know, he's still Mesut Özil doing Mesut Özil things. Um, but it was Barcelona who won the league that year in La Liga because Messi scored like forty-six goals. So you know that's fair enough, really. Um, Champions League-wise, is a tad different. Obviously, Arsenal were looking to make it a double-winning season, and Real Madrid are looking to reclaim, uh, retain the Champions League for a third time. Sadly, neither team managed that. Both Arsenal and Real Madrid, funnily enough, met the two finalists in real life at various stages of the competition. Bayern beat Arsenal in the round of 16, and Dortmund beat Real Madrid in the semi-final. That was the Lewandowski four yeah. goals in the semi, wasn't it? That yeah. was another one where I was... That was another... Proper player. Time. Yeah. One of, um, the one where he like drags it back and... Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, I, I can't really describe it. The, that one goal where he like, drags it back and knocks it to the side and rifles it. That's huge. Matter that was 2013 and it's 2021 and he's literally still like just as lethal. Still doing that, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's crazy. But um, that was real life. We're not talking about real life. No, never. In the round of 16, Arsenal faced Bayern Munich, as I said. But rather than going out on a three uh, three on away goals, they did in real life. In this tall tale, Arsenal do get the better of Bayern Munich in this one. They get two all draw at the Emirates. They come away. Um, sorry, they get a two-all draw in the Allianz. They go to the, back to the Emirates, get a 2-0 win. And they do go through to the uh, quarterfinals, knocking eventual winners Bayern Munich out of the competition. Not the first time they've done that um, mm. in this tall tale. Um, Arsenal go on to face Juventus, funnily enough, second reason why I'm wearing this lovely shirt. Uh, in the quarterfinals, Arsenal beat Juventus. This sets up yet another Champions League tie in the semi-finals this time. Arsenal versus Barcelona. Um, and this time, 
there's no messing about from Arsenal. They absolutely dispatched Barcelona <laughs> over two legs, winning just as Bayern Munich did, 4-0 and 3-0 in both legs. Another Jack Wilshere and Robin Van Persie masterclass. Arsenal are in the Champions League final. They've got another crack at it. And this time they're playing Jurgen Klopp's Borussia Dortmund. And this time, Arsenal do get their hands on the trophy. It's a famous 1-0 win. A very scrappy goal after a big goal mouth scramble poked in by none other than Bakary Sanya. And Arsene Wenger <laughs> has his double. The holy grail of Champions League has come to Arsenal. The first time in this universe, it's the first time that a club from London has ever lifted it as well. Because obviously uh, yeah, Chelsea course, didn't win yeah. it last year. Man of the match in the final, of course, that's Jackie Boy, uh, who earned himself second place in the Ballon d'Or this year behind Lionel Messi. Um, so, yeah, Jack Wilshere finished second place in the Ballon d'Or. Your final round of trivia, Tim, this is to uh, either make it two out of three or one out of three. Who was the last English player to finish second in the Ballon d'Or list? Um, and I can give you a clue if you want. Owen won it, didn't they? Yeah. It was so since then. Say, I mean. No, it was since, since then. then. Yeah. Rooney. That's incorrect. It was Frank Lampard back in 2005. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, and Gerard was in third, Who which I know you were like. Was that, was uh, that 2005? Cannavaro? Oh, I oh no, Cannavaro was 06, wasn't it? I can't, it might have been Kaka. Might not have been I, think it was I don't know. It, I feel like my knowledge starts at Cannavaro. Should I Google it? I, I say my knowledge starts. It's like Cannavaro, Kaka, and then about 12 years of Messi and Ronaldo. Um, so that Ronaldinho won it, apparently. Was it Ronaldinho? Yeah, there you go. Fair. Um, but yeah, so you, you you failed overall on the trivia. But hey, Yeah, that was a fun. poor showing for me, to be fair. <laughs> so. Did you see how I was dropping in other facts to try and still make myself <laughs> look smart? I even wore glasses to try and make myself look smart. I don't really yeah. need these. This is just for content and making myself look pretty. <laughs> it's really backfired, but you have succeeded in that. Um, <laughs> so, we're now into 2013-14. I'm going to wrap up this tortel. There it. are some movements here. Arsene Wenger leaves Arsenal. You know, okay. he's basically left on the highest of highs. He's got his double. He's rightly lauded as a complete hero of the club, statue outside the Emirates, all that sort of thing. Of course. Um, he was replaced by former Athletic Bilbao manager Ernesto Valverde, um, the guy that went to manage Barcelona for a bit and everyone hated him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Arsene Wenger's been replaced by a Spanish manager. We all know what happens when that, you know, in real life. Uh, I won't go into detail, but I'm sure you can imagine for yourself. Car crash. Uh, Mourinho has also left Real Madrid, just like in real life. He's headed back to Chelsea. Um, and Pep has found himself a new job as well in Bayern Munich, who in this universe were not European champions when he took over. And the two main men of this tall tale were also on the move. First of all, Jack Wilshere. He's 22 now. And every big club wanted a piece. Real Madrid and Barcelona were both desperate for him. But he got yeah. a call from a man who he thought he could get really get the best out of him. Pep Guardiola at Bayern, who was yeah, obviously absolutely. the manager when Wilshire put on the famous performance at New Camp, resulting in a standing ovation from every Barcelona fan. Um, and in the middle of the transfer window, a £50 million move was finalised to Bayern Munich as Pep acquired his number one prospect. So that leaves Arsenal without their number one playmaker. But this is 2013-14. Did they not sign Meza Ozil as they did in real life? There's one aspect of this story that might have flown under the radar so far, which is that United, Man United, didn't win the league off City back in 1213. Yeah. Meaning that Fergie wasn't able to go out a winner. And 
if you've listened to episode three, you'll know that that's an important point for me when discussing Ferguson's career. So Fergie's still looking for his last Premier League trophy, and he says he decides to give it one more year to see if he can get the Premier League trophy back. And to help him do that, he picked up probably the best player that was on the market at the time, Mesut Ozil, who had fallen out of the hierarchy at Real Madrid, um, fallen out with the hierarchy at Real Madrid, and Mesut Ozil completed a forty-two million pound move to Old Trafford to try and bolster United's title chances. Well, let me tell you, Man United didn't win the league; they finished second to Mourinho's Chelsea. Ah. And skipping Mourinho's Chelsea, it was. In I, I thought you said West Bromwich Albion. <laughs> Honestly, on the video, you'll see me audibly like double take there when I heard West, was West Brom manager in 2013-14. Was that? Was it Steve Clark? Yeah, I think it might have been Steve Clark. It was too early for you, wasn't it? I'm uh, Googling the second thing in this manager. Uh, uh, it was Steve Clark. Oh, that's um, great knowledge from you. You uh, are clever, <laughs> in you? Well, it was Steve Clark until... And I can't believe that this, that this is going to happen. It's the second time that this man has got a mention. <laughs> Steve Clark, it was until December uh, when Pe- Pepe Mel Pepe took Mel, over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know where he is now? I recently, no at least I think I saw this. I think he's at Las Palmas because I looked at Las Palmas <laughs> for mine and I believe I saw that he's currently uh, the manager. I'm going to look that Pepe. up, but please continue. I will continue. So, Oh, he is Las Palmas, yeah. Oh, Sorry. brilliant. Now you can continue. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, United... Uh, lost the league to Mourinho's Chelsea in 1314. And now we're going to skip forward another season. And Fergie stayed on again, you know, in 1415. He's just desperate he to win the last winner. title. He needs to go out a winner. 1415, Leicester won the league. United finished third. No, it didn't. Uh, sorry, by Leicester, I mean Manchester City. United finished say. third. <laughs> they nearly went down. <laughs> they did. Episode four, check Episode it out. Four, what if they did? Um... So, yeah, so Man United got four, a third play to finish. 15-16 we're in now. Alex Ferguson's still there. Mesut Ozil's still there. United are playing great football, but they're just not the force that they used to be. At the end of the 15-16 season, Leicester wrapped up the title. The first sign appeared. A sign written on a piece of fabric, and it's it, uh, it held a message that would soon appear more and more in many different places all over the country. Oh no! For the next five trophyless years for Manchester United, oh. until the change had to be made. The sign read, hashtag Ferguson out. Let me tell you, Tim, the world is an unforgiving place. <laughs> you either go out a hero, like Wenger did, or you stick around long enough to see yourself become the villain in this tall tale like Alex Ferguson did. And that is what would have happened if Robin Van Persie had not been sent off against Barcelona for no reason. But wait! Wait there! Okay, I'm waiting. I'm holding. I've moved to the edge of my seat. There's one loose end yet to be tied up. I reckon I could finish this off in a couple of minutes. The loose end that we've got tied up is, of course, the 2014 World Cup. You love a World Cup. I bloody love a World Cup. 2014 in Brazil. <laughs> Decent World Cup, this one. Not the best, not the worst. Not bad. No, not 2010, but good. Not 2010. Uh, definitely not 2018, but, you know. No, absolutely yeah. not. Um, England, inspired by Jack Wilshere, of course, who's uh, just come off the, a double winning season uh, with League and Champions League with Bayern Munich under Pep. Let me tell you, England did not completely embarrass themselves uh, in this tournament, which is ludicrous enough uh, already. <laughs> Uh, we had our group, and I know, you know what, your bit of redemption, who did we have in our 2014 World Cup group? 
Uruguay, Italy, and Costa Rica. Absolutely right. Well, we won our games against Italy and Uruguay, uh, and we got a draw against Costa Rica, so we actually topped our group. So our first knockout round fixture was against Greece. We beat them 2-0. It was Danny Sturridge and Gary Cahill with the goals. Next stop, quarterfinals against the Netherlands. It's famous. 4-0 win for England. Proper famous tie, this one. Famous quarterfinal. Rooney hat-trick. Perhaps finally turning up on the international stage. Glenn Johnson got the fourth. Set England up very nicely for a semi-final against Argentina. That's a tasty one. Nil-nil. I don't know much about I, I've not written much about this game. I can only imagine it was bad-tempered. I hope it was. Yeah. It's nil-nil, though. Yellow cards are plenty. Oh, yeah. 90th minute. End of end of normal time. Looking like it's going to extra time. But England do win a free kick. Sturridge dived on the edge of the box, if you're wondering. And who steps up to stroke the ball underneath the jumping wall and into the back Always of the net? Always lovely. Jackie, Always lovely. Jackie, Jackie, Jack, Jack Wilshire. <laughs> and it's absolute scenes, as you can imagine, at home as Jack Wilshire scores a sort of, Beck- not Beckham-esque in its technique, but it's like big free kick, you know, big yeah, stage, yeah, yeah. needed to score it, slots it. And uh, England have now found themselves in a World Cup final for the first time in 50 years, and they play Germany. Of course they do. And what a matchup this is. It's the big England showdown. versus Germany. Wilshire versus Ozil. The final boss of football. Wilshire versus Ozil as well is like the main narrative on the biggest game in football. Game kicks off. Four minutes in, Wilshire turns around and twists his ankle, and he has to come <laughs> off. <laughs> he gets replaced by James Milner. What which, like? Uh, not quite as cultured. <laughs> so, Wilshire's off the pitch. That obviously Bucky's slash odds on England gain anything. And surely Meza Erzl's about to run the game? Not really. He's pretty anonymous, to be honest. He's substituted on 70 minutes. Germany bring on Mario Goetze, who fatedly scores the winning goal in extra time to give Germany a 1-0 win over England in the World Cup final. And it is a pretty anticlimactic ending. But, you know, <laughs> in a tall tale all about Arsenal and Jack Wilshire and Mesut Ozil at the heart of it, I thought it was appropriate. And that yeah. is what would have happened if Robin Van Persie had not been sent off for no reason against Barcelona in the 2011 Champions League round of 16. I love it. I love that tall tale. That's absolutely first class. That might be my favourite one of yours yet. And you've had some good ones. Listen. That might be my favourite. Two, another two strong ones. I hope the people are enjoying because uh, yeah, I hope we're so enjoying them, them too. I really enjoyed... The, the two main things that I enjoyed about that is I really like the Fergie out narrative that came in at the end because that was completely off my radar. Even when you were like, oh, it's another trophy. Like, I think one of them, like you said, and they didn't win the title. I was like, what? Like I was expecting that to be like, and they won the title and that's the end. Mm. So that got me. But then also the whole Jack Wilshere thing, you'd, you'd spun such a yarn about Jack Wilshere suddenly like realising his potential. I think we literally spoke about at one point, like we could mm. just do a tall tale about what if yeah. Wilshere fulfilled his potential, which is kind of what you've already done there. Yeah. But you you made it so vivid. I could see it. <laughs> he wasn't playing at Bournemouth. He was really good. And so like the whole ankle, glass ankle thing was completely off my radar. And when you're like four minutes, he turns and snaps his ankle. I'm like... Oh, shit, this is still Jack Wilshire. I love yeah. that it came back because it was completely off my radar. 
Well, oh, it was good. Know, I really enjoyed that to tell. Uh, thank you very much. And you know, it's just how the fates operate, you know. And it, I just, we... I, I think my favorite. I don't want to go into my own tall tale, but <laughs> I just found the whole Wenger out thing sort of absurd when you tallied up all of his achievements. Yeah. And it's very easy to say like, oh, it's such an Arsenal fan thing to do. It's actually not. Just a very football fan thing to do. And I just thought, you know, imagine if they that happened to Ferguson, how ludicrous it would be. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. No, it's I, I do think. it's not such an Arsenal thing to do. It's just, I don't know. And this is coming from a fan of a club that absolutely cannot stand the top six. But it just feels like a proper kind of, that kind of narrative is an entitled top six club mentality. Like we deserve, like we deserve to be qualifying for Europe every year. And like, you know, teams like, I know, Everton or West Ham or Leicester or whoever it might be, don't deserve to be there. We should be winning the title because we are that size of a club. It's that mentality. Agreed. I really dislike so, it, but um, I can't stand it. But then I can't stand any of them. No, so or any other football know. club aside from. But West I'm glad Ham. Arsenal did so well in your talk town. Oh, me too. And uh, to be I'm fair, not, I, I don't like them. <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I I'd picked on them slightly in in previous tall tales. You know, yeah. they'd, uh, they'd they'd been through the ringer with me, so I wanted to give a little <laughs> bit back. And Ed Joss will retire back around to the beginning. Eddie Joss. He is an Arsenal yeah. fan. Um, I can't remember if it was him or someone else that wasn't happy with one of my tall tales that I really sort of. I think it Arsenal. was him. I think you. Yeah. I think you eviscerated. Yeah, I think it was, and you really like went for Arsenal. Sorry, Ed. Sorry, Arsenal. <laughs> but, but listen, uh, it's Arsenal. They're an easy target, and they yeah. bring a lot of it upon themselves. I'd so. say so too. But um, yeah. that's the end of uh, another episode for another week. I say week. They don't five, really come mate. out weekly. Uh, halfway through the season. Good. Although people don't know that a season is 10 yeah, episodes no, long, we've, but, they, we've, but we are. <laughs> we've just decided that there's five episodes in a season. Uh, no, 10 episodes in a season. And yes. we are now at the end of episode five. So um, Mid-season. Exciting times, as always. Um, do let us know if you have anything to say at all. Uh, I know we do have some regular listeners. We'd love to know like who you are. So, you know, all drop us a, all six of them. Listen, there's, there's six a more than in I New thought York who's apparently listening, uh, <laughs> according to our analytics. So, uh, I don't think I've got any mates in New York. If, if you I are, I don't believe so. You know, whoever you are, make yourself known. If the lad or from New York, um, tweets us, DMs us, or comments on a YouTube video, I'll wear me New York Cosmos top. I've got a New York episode. Red Bulls top from when there I went go. to New York when I was a kid. There you so, go. Yeah, we'll stick those on. Next episode will be New York themed. <laughs> if we'll, we'll come up with an MLS tool tale or something, and brilliant. we'll we'll do the life of Bradley Wright Phillips. Right Phillips exactly. moved to... <laughs> <laughs> That's it. It's settled. That's episode six. Um, but yeah, if you've got anything that you want to say, any questions or suggestions or anything else, stick them in the comments of the YouTube video or DM us on Twitter. That's at Football Fate Pod. Um, but I'm very happy with our our little day's work Tim have you got anything else that you want to say to the people I've got nothing to add mate we've put in a good shift there that's a good shift from us so I like to think so uh, but I'll, uh, I'll let you sign off then mate brilliant mate it's been uh, another cracking week I think um, but yeah I hope uh, you all enjoyed it thank you ever so much for listening this has as always been Football Fate and How to Change It uh, signing off from me and Warren thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you in episode 6 cheers and stay lucky and stay oh yeah and stay lucky always do that Always do that. Stay lucky. Love you lots. Bye-bye.